Hello, welcome to Office Hours Beyond the Lecture with me, Davis. Today, we will be interviewing Marisol Palamores. She is a second year graduate student in the Environmental and Ocean Sciences program at the University of San Diego. She's involved in multiple clubs on campus, including the Women of Color Discussion Group, Student Vegans United, and the Asian Student Organization. She is currently studying algal back macrofauna for her master's thesis, which she is actually currently working on right now as we talk. <laughs> Thank you for joining us in office hours today. Let's dive right in. Hi, <laughs> I'm Marisol. Thanks for um, talking with me. Of course, yeah. Um, so let me ask you, what did you want to be when you grew up? Um, when I was like a really little kid, I had the idea of being an actress just because, like, I watch TV and that's what I was familiar with. But um, when I became, like, uh, older, so when I was in middle school and definitely high school, I was interested in the sciences. What so, changed that? Um, I think just going outside, playing outdoors as a kid, um, playing in the woods near my childhood home and visiting the beach um, since I'm from Texas. So my family would go to Galveston, which is on the Gulf of Mexico, a lot. So I really enjoy going to the beach and swimming in the ocean. That's really cool. And so that mm -hmm. inspired you to get into the sciences? Yeah, I was just like curious about the world around me. Wow. What would you say your major passions are right now? Um, I'm really, uh, well, being in this field, I'm really interested in... Um, the environment and especially like environmental conservation mm -hmm. and I guess my biggest concern like especially when I vote or when I um, talk about politics is con conserving the environment as well as climate change mm -hmm. which I think is a number one concern should be for Americans since we can already see the impacts in our daily life. Mm -hmm. Do you think that those passions were inspired by you as a kid going outside and playing in the Gulf of Mexico? Um, I think I became more interested in, like, environmentalism the more, like, I studied in college and especially now in grad school. Like, in my classes, we talked about, um, like, the way humans are destroying the environment, and so that really opened my eyes to what's happening. That makes sense. Have you ever um, been in a situation where you felt like you got less passionate about science? Um, I guess, um, being in grad school <laughs> as well, like, anyone who's gone to graduate school, and especially a thesis-based program, you just get caught down, like, in the grind, especially when you're trying to, like, finish your research. It can just drag on and on and, like, be tedious. And so, um, you really have to motivate yourself to, like, keep going, like, keep going to the lab and, like, finish up your work. So, um, yeah. What inspired you to go to grad school in the first place? Well, in my undergraduate, um, I went to Rice University in Houston, Texas, and they do not have a marine science program. So I studied ecology and evolutionary biology as undergrad, but I was still interested in the marine sciences, so I did want to have more specialized knowledge in that field. And so I knew I wanted to go on to graduate school uh, in the marine sciences, and also, I was encouraged by my mother, who's also a scientist. She's a geologist. And she went to graduate school, and so she always encouraged me to go on to graduate school as well. 
That makes sense. Um, have your pass- passions changed all that much from when you were a kid studying uh, science? Uh, I think they've stayed about the same. I'm still like interested in the world around me, and I still like going outside. Mm-hmm. And even outside of marine science, I'm interested in like other disciplines within science or even social sciences. So I still try to read a lot of books, listen to a variety of podcasts, and just educate myself on topics outside of what I'm studying. And now you're in a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What do you think for you is a defining moment that inspired you to go into graduate school? You said your mom was a big influence, Mm -hmm. but what was that moment? Um, Let's see. I guess I wouldn't say it was a big moment, but it was more just like a series of um, experiences I've had that just um, accumulated into me deciding to go to graduate school, mm-hmm. such as um, like when I was in high school, like just visiting um, coral reefs with my family, such as in Mexico. Um, visiting the ocean a lot really inspired me to be interested in marine sciences visiting places such as Alaska or the west coast of the United States and the Pacific Northwest and seeing how the ecology is different there as compared to Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say like overall it wasn't it wasn't really like a spark or like a big like there wasn't one event that made me go whoa like I gotta go to grad school. <laughs> <laughs> it was just accumulation of experiences. Mm-hmm. Why did you decide to go to USC though? So, I knew I wanted to go into a marine sciences program, mm-hmm. and but I wasn't sure if I wanted to do a PhD, so I decided to go to a master's program. So that narrows the schools down to only a few, since a lot of schools, they do have a marine science program, but they'll have a PhD program. And then for, I also wanted to do a thesis-based program, mm-hmm. since I knew I wanted to do some research. So that narrowed it down further. And then for graduate school, you have to have an advisor accept you if you're doing a thesis-based program. And so I was deciding between here and then a school in Miami, Florida. And then my advisor, Dr. Drew Talley, he accepted me into his lab. And I had never been to San Diego before. And so I was like, oh, like, you know, let's, let's check it out. That's cool. What was your time like between undergraduate graduation and going to grad school? So I took two years off of, um, I guess, education or schooling after I graduated from undergrad. Um, After I graduated, I moved to South Korea, and I was an English teacher, and I lived there for about um, a year and a half. And I knew I'd always wanted to travel and live abroad Mm -hmm. when I was younger and um, the opportunity just arose for me to go to Korea since my husband's Korean Mm -hmm. but at that time we were not married so he was in Korea and so I was like I want to go to Korea and so I went. (laughs) Do you feel like that was a good experience for you like taking those two years off was that positive? Yeah it was way positive and I like encourage anyone a lot I encourage like anyone who's listening to do that as well. Um, I think I would have definitely gotten burned out 
if I had just gone straight into graduate school. Mm-hmm. And I felt like at that po- moment of my life, it was a good opportunity to not go straight into the job field or education since I was, I mean, I am still young. But I was young then, mm-hmm. and it's not like I was quitting a job or doing anything. Like, I wasn't married. I didn't have kids. I still don't. But, like, <laughs> it was just a really good time in my life. To go and have an yeah. experience abroad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. What do you think you gained from being in Korea? Living abroad really, um, like, just broadens your horizons and it makes you realize, like, how different cultures live, like, how people in other countries live and how they view the U.S. So while I was living there, I didn't know any Americans. I had friends who were foreigners, but they were from, like, Canada Mm -hmm. or um, other English-speaking countries. And while I was there, I only came to know one American. So just being in that environment, you realize, you know, the U.S. is not the center of the world, (laughs) which a lot of people, like... I think we like to think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and just, like, trying new foods and just being in a place where, like, you don't know what's going on. Like, I had to learn the bus system. Mm. Just even, like, going to the bank. It was a struggle, but it was also an adventure. And I remember you telling me earlier that you and your husband now mm-hmm. live in, or lived in a really tiny room. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was normal to do that because you, you walked everywhere and you were always right. out and doing things. Yeah, public transportation is great in Seoul. And since there's so many people in uh, a small country, and so population density is extremely high. So, like, the area we live in is very small. We lived in a one-bedroom Um, a studio would be like the equivalent here Mm -hmm. but even like smaller than the studio apartments that I've seen in the U.S. and that was fine because like that's how people lived and we would always be out and about working or just walking around the city and that really made me realize that you know you don't need um, a bunch of possessions like you don't have to buy into um, materialism yeah materialism and massive consumerism that makes sense how is it being a westerner in South Korea. <laughs> South Korea, let's get that. <laughs> um, that was interesting. One thing I have to mention is that since, like, I'm visibly, I'm not Asian, mm-hmm. so there is, like, a level of privilege, privilege there since, um, say, when, like, Southeast Asians visit Korea, they might be looked down upon since a lot of people um, may travel to South Korea for work, more like labor jobs. But as a Westerner, and especially American... Koreans don't have any, like, negative feelings towards Americans since um, the U.S. was involved in the Korean War in the 1950s. Mm -hmm. And especially, like, with um, global... Oh, globalization? Yeah, globalization, like, American, like, media and, like, pop culture is, like, popular Mm -hmm. worldwide. So um, I, like, never had any negative experiences while I was there. Like, you know, people would stare occasionally... And, like, you just get used to it. And then people would always ask me where I was from, and I would just say the U.S. And then people would be like, oh, like, cool. <laughs> and then when I would speak Korean, people would always say, oh, your Korean's so good. Aww. So people are very nice. How is it transitioning back from Korea to the U.S.? Um, I had definitely, re- I had reverse culture shock. Really? Yeah. Just, um, I guess, visibly, um, since people in Korea are, like, 
athletic people walk everywhere. Mm-hmm. That was the first thing I noticed. Was that people here aren't very athletic? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's, since the U.S. has the highest rate of obesity mm-hmm. in, I think, countries worldwide, it was, like, very, when you're not used to that, and, like, when you come back into it, you, like, realize that you're, like, whoa. Whoa, I wonder how it is for people who just come to the U.S. to visit. That must be a crazy yeah. experience. What else? Um, I guess I felt, I felt very grateful, too, that, like, oh, like, now I can go to the grocery store, like, you know, I can buy my groceries without any, like, without any problems, like, I can explain myself to the bank teller, mm-hmm. or even just, like, driving or walking down the street. So that was nice. That's cool. So you mm-hmm. came back with your husband, yeah. and then you decided to start going to graduate school. Mm-hmm. So that must have been such a crazy transition, going from Korea to being back here to going to grad school in, like, what, half a year? Yeah. How was that for you? Uh, well, I, I started applying for grad school when I was still in Korea. So I was, like, starting to get into that mindset, academic mindset. But it was nice coming back, coming back home to Texas me. <laughs> I was just able to relax um, and prepare for graduate school. So that was a really nice period. It's not like I like moved back a month before I moved out to San Diego. So I definitely had time to like rest and see all my family again and like sort of like readjust to the American life. Mm-hmm. And then a few months later, we moved to San Diego. What do you think some of your biggest challenges in grad school have been so far? I guess definitely... Just, like, adjusting to the program. And since, like, I'm not from California, like, when me and my husband moved out here, we didn't know anyone. Mm-hmm. So that was really hard adjustment, just moving to a new city and familiarizing myself and trying to make friends. And then within the program, uh, just, like, trying to focus on my research and just slogging through the... The grind, <laughs> the grind of lab work, mm-hmm. since I have a lot of lab work that I'm doing. So I, I've been trying to motivate myself, just keep on, keep on pushing and trying keep to on, try on. to graduate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. How has it been for you as a woman of color in the graduate program, especially at University of San Diego, which is predominantly white? So that was a bit of a culture shock <laughs> as well. Um, I thought since you know. This is the University of San Diego, and it's California. Mm -hmm. I thought it would be a lot more diverse, Mm -hmm. especially coming from my undergraduate university, Rice, which was extremely diverse. Coming here, I was like, whoa. (laughs) And then being in the program, it was kind of tough because, I mean, like sometimes I felt like it was hard to relate to my peers. So that took some adjusting for me to get get used to the program. Um, but being here almost two years now, like, I've definitely, like, met other people of color, and, like, I've adjusted to the program, so that's been nice, but it was really tough at first. In what ways do you think you had to start adjusting in your brain, or, like, in the ways that you interact with people? I guess, I wouldn't call it code switching, mm-hmm. but maybe, like, some of that, just, like, how I, how I talk about situations, maybe, like, less... I would, like, less talk about my background, like, being Hispanic, mm-hmm. um, and just mainly try to keep it, like, professional, talking about research or science. Do you feel like that's been hard, taking away your identity, or do you feel like it's been a positive thing for you? 
I think it's definitely preparing me to go into the workforce since in like environmental and ocean sciences it is predominantly white mm-hmm. um, in the professional field so in that way it's been positive but on the other side like I do wish there's more diversity mm-hmm. in the field and in the sciences in general that makes sense yeah. what, are, what are you doing as a graduate student to try to inspire that get more um, people of color in the sciences well I do have some research assistants and Davis is one of them so, um, just, like, trying to talk to uh, undergraduates, talking to them about research, especially women of color, talking to them about research and science, and just, uh, I try to be, like, a role model for, say, my younger family members, mm-hmm. um, girls who might not see, like, a professional in science or a woman of color in science. How have you been a model for your family? Like, have have they come up to you and, and told you that they're more interested in science? Or they, no one, no one has come up to me. But I definitely like I talk about climate change with them. Mm-hmm. I'll talk about the environment and just like the natural world around us with them. Even my parents, I like talking with them about uh, environmentalism and climate change. That's cool. <laughs> what does it mean? to be in the sciences for you? Um, for me, science is about furthering knowledge about the natural world. Mm-hmm. So trying to understand how it works, trying to understand why do things happen the way they do, and even trying to understand how the natural world might change because of humans. Um, so for me specifically, uh, I guess I'll talk about my research. <laughs> yeah. So I'm interested in algal rack, and algal rack is the term to describe algae that's washed up on the shore along the coastline. And within the algal rack, organisms feed and consume the algal rack, and these organisms are called rack-associated macrofauna. So these can be insects, such as beetles, or even flies, um, as well as some crustaceans like sandhoppers and some isopods. And so these organisms are maybe primary consumers of the rack, but then there are secondary consumers. So um, primary consumers means like they feed directly off the algae. Mm -hmm. And then secondary are those species that feed off of the primary consumers. Anyways, studies have shown that like presence of algal rack is extremely important on a sandy beach. And can it the effects can cascade up the trophic level to such as things such as shorebirds, um, seagulls, even maybe some terrestrial mammals like coyotes, raccoons. And a lot of beaches, or a lot of cities, they practice beach grooming, mm-hmm. which is when they clear away algal rack using heavy machinery. And so this is very detrimental to a local beach ecosystem since the algal rack is gone and this is pretty much the only source of food for organisms in this local ecosystem. That makes sense. What are your future plans for research? So um, I plan to finish finish my current project and graduate within <laughs> a year. Hopefully. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I'm interested in doing governmental work either at the state um, local, maybe city level, or even um, federal level. 
So I like to go into that sort of work. That's really so cool. less research based and more policy. What m- inspires you to do that? Um, when I was an undergrad, I did an internship at the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality, mm-hmm. which is the uh, environmental regulation agency in Texas. And I really liked doing that internship. I was able to see how the state enforces uh, environmental laws and how they regulate cities or even companies. And that just really got me interested in, uh, I guess, more policy and regulatory work. That makes sense. What do Mm -hmm. you think, going back to um, being a grad student, what was was the misconception that you had coming into being a grad student? What did you think it was going to be like and it wasn't? Um, I thought it was going to be somewhat like my undergraduate um, experiences. So, like, I would have to meet a lot of people like me or just that it would be, I don't know, smooth, a bit smoother sailing. But one thing I realized that science, there's always mistakes. And just that, like, me, I've, like, screwed up several times in regards to my research. So I've definitely had to mature and, like, um, take responsibility for my mistakes. <laughs> and just um, it, you have to acknowledge that there will be setbacks to your research or whatever you're working on. And things do not go as schedule, especially when it comes to science. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. So then what, what were some of those challenges that you ran into in, in this scientific research? Well, one big one was when I was starting my field work. So I was going to place out um, seaweed, patches of um, algae. I was using giant kelp on the shore mm-hmm. to see what was going to eat them. And I did not check the high tides correctly. Oh, no! <laughs> and so I needed to place it out after the high, high tide along the shore. But um, I didn't, like, properly check where exactly the high, high tide went. And so um, we, we went ahead and put out the algae, but it was too far away from the shore. So then we had to repeat it two weeks later. Oh, no! Yeah. How did that feel? I I feel terrible. I feel um I feel like a failure as a grad student and just like you feel like you know I let my advisor down. Mm. I let down um my research assistants, other people who were helping me. And so that was definitely um I guess a big professional moment for me like to realize, you know, mistakes happen, but you have to accept responsibility for your mistakes. And then people are understanding, you know. It's not like my advisor was like, oh, you're kicked out. Mm. (laughs) Do you feel like there's a lot of imposter syndrome with you or your friends or people in grad school? Um, I know that some people, like, definitely experience it, and it's a real thing. But for me personally, I haven't experienced that. Um, I think, like, my undergraduate experience really prepared me for graduate school since I did some research while I was an undergrad and I guess just surrounding myself with like a community of people who love and support me like my parents my husband and my friends uh, just reiterates the knowledge that you know I belong here in grad school like I've done the work I didn't bribe anyone Mm -hmm. (laughs) to get here no admission scandal yeah (laughs) um 
have you, what does your typical day look like right now? So I do work for the College of Arts and Sciences. Um, I help out the building manager um, with safety stuff, so like checking hazardous waste. Um, I help do some door coding. So I do that job every morning um, for two hours, starting at 8 a.m. And then I also help out the, um, the EOS department, the environments and ocean sciences. I feed and monitor the aquariums. So right now there's two tanks, uh, a reef tank, and then like a California, uh, what's it? like nat native, California native marine animals tank. So I've, I'll feed them, check on those tanks, make sure, you know, the filter's working. So I do that every day as well. And then the rest of the time, I'm just here in the lab. Studying. Or doing, trying to do my lab work. Right now I've just been like sorting algae, sorting algae and picking out any insects or organisms and then um, doing some a bit of microscope work where I'll, I'll try to identify the organisms. Do you like that? Is it fun or is it mm. does it feel more tedious? It's definitely tedious because <laughs> I've been doing this for months. Mm. So maybe fun for the first month and then... Yeah, but yeah. that's part of like what science is about. And uh, my advisor told me like for one hour of field work you might do, which is like you're going out in the field and... It's not exactly fun, but you're outside and you're actively doing stuff. Mm -hmm. So there might be 20 hours of lab work for every one hour of field work. That's that's a lot. As a graduate student, I'm uh -huh. almost about to be a master's person. Um, what would be your advice for someone who's an undergraduate right now, who wants to maybe go into what you're doing? I would say try to get research experiences as an undergrad to see if you actually like it. So like here at USD, there's a lot of opportunities. Mm -hmm. um, you could just ask your professors or just look around campus. Usually there's like research fairs or people will post flyers looking for research assistance, like I did. <laughs> <laughs> and so you should get an experience in a research lab to see if you actually like it and to see what kind of research you might be interested in. So when I was an undergrad, I did some beetle work, working with beetles. And so as a grad student, I know, I knew that I didn't want my project to focus on beetles entirely because I'd already done that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So you have more diverse experiences. Yeah, and definitely um, talk to your professors. Just like go to their office hours if you need help in class because they're there to help you and... Um, they want to see you su succeed. You know, I, there's no need to be scared of them. And I realized that when I was upperclassman as an undergrad, I would just go to my professor's office, like, if I needed help, and they would, they would just be like, they'd be on it. They'd be helpful. <laughs> yeah, and especially here <laughs> at USD, since the department's so small, so I know mm -hmm. all the faculty and staff. So I highly recommend that to any undergrad. You need to go to the office hours. <laughs> Get help. Yeah, if you need it. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you being on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. And thank you to all the listeners for listening to Office Hours Beyond the Lecture with Marisol Palomares.
Make sure to share this podcast with your friends so they can dig deep with you into current research on campus, career possibilities, and the lives and stories of people after college, including their mistakes, misconceptions, and inspiring moments. Again, thanks for tuning in. See you in the next episode. Bye.